I love that song. And the uh, first time I ever sang that song, I think, was at uh, uh, Deborah's family's home church in Ontario. And uh, that line in that song, what a foretaste of deliverance. And that's what we experience in Christ. We have not been, you realize that we have not been fully delivered yet. That we have just a taste of our deliverance. And that's the Holy Spirit within us, empowering us, enabling us, walking with us. That there is a full and complete salvation that, that awaits us. Now, of course, I, I, just to be clear, but the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, you are completely saved in a sense that it's an unchangeable destiny. But the salvation isn't complete until we stand before him resurrected. And so it's a good reminder to sing that song. It starts with the arrival of Christ and then the eternal delivery in heaven. It's a good reminder that Jesus came. And I quoted this last night. It's, it's really stood out to me, um, especially as someone who I'm responsible to get up and give the word at Christmas time. And it was uh, pa uh, Pastor Stephen Lawson. He put a quote out. I don't know if it was recent or a few years ago, but anyway, somebody shared it. And he, it was an encouragement to pastors. He said, Jesus did not come to start a holiday. He came to die for our sins. Preach Christ, crucified, risen, and coming again. And that's what it's all about. It's about the Savior that came to set us free from our sins. Well, let's, um, let's not preach two messages because then I'll not keep my promise to Ms. Thompson. Let's go to Matthew chapter number two this morning. We've been in our uh, series, uh, our series, Good News of Great Joy. And this will be the last message. And what we've done is we focused on the angelic announcements, the messengers of the Christmas season. If you remember, we began with Gabriel appearing to Mary, and we learned uh, through, the prophet, through the announcement of the virgin birth, the statement in that passage that with God, nothing is impossible. And we saw the truth of the gospel that, uh, that through that, the virgin birth of Christ, we could be saved. Nothing is impossible. And then uh, we looked at the message to Joseph. And that reminded us that God is with us. We saw that in the name Emmanuel. And then last week was the announcement to the shepherds, the humble shepherds. And we saw from the highest to the humble. Well, this week we're back in to Joseph. And the Lord appears to Joseph in Matthew chapter number 2 after the birth of Christ. And in there's actually... Joseph actually receives four miraculous appearances, which is very interesting that at four different occasions, God speaks to Joseph. Now, he speaks to him. Does it, can anybody tell me, actually, through what, through what medium does God speak to Joseph? That's right, through dreams. Now, the, there was an angel that just appeared to Mary. Angels just appeared to the shepherds. But in Joseph's case, there was a series of dreams by which God made known to him. And I just don't know why, except I thought it could just be a little bit of maybe poetic irony in the scriptures, because his namesake from the Old Testament, Joseph, was a dreamer of dreams, wasn't he? And I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but that just kind of stood out to me. 
But let's see what happens. What I want to show you today, the last message in this good news of great joy, the last message is this. God leads us. God leads us. And one of the blessings of knowing Christ is that every step in life can be led by our loving Father. And let's not take that for granted this morning as we're here. You see, without the certainty of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us through God's Word, how can you be sure that any decision that you've made is the right decision? How can you be, be, be certain of anything in this life? But as Christians, one of the blessings of knowing God and one of the blessings of the gospel is that God leads us. One of my favorite classic hymns is the song, God Leads Us Along. In shady green pastures, so rich and so sweet, God leads his dear children along. Where the water's cool flow bathes the weary one's feet, God leads his dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. I love that. love the message of that song. And that in the ups and the downs and the mountaintops and the valley experiences, God leads us. Now, you're going to see that experience here. Now, Matthew chapter 2, the wise men have just appeared. They've come from the east and they've brought their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Many people believe that Jesus is probably actually about two years old at the time this takes place. So if you've got the, the, um, um, the nativity scene set up at your house and uh, the wise men are there, hate to break it, yeah, they weren't there, you know. And I was one of those kids, one of those like annoying little kids, you know, like, you know, actually, actually, Mr. Sunday School here, the, uh, the wise men did not appear until much later in the story, okay? Any of you like that as a kid, or it was just me? I was the only... Oh, Carl, you, you were going to... About everything. All right. Okay. Thank you, Danielle. Some of us, some of us are, are uh, commiserating with each other here. Hopefully, we've grown, grown out of that a little bit. So, this is, uh, this is probably between a year and two years after the birth of Christ. They're, they're settled in, and in Bethlehem. And as far as Joseph and Mary are concerned... It seems as if they are planning on spending their days here in Bethlehem. They've made a home. They've, uh, their, their newborn baby, Jesus, has started to walk. I don't know if he's already done some miraculous things or not. Wouldn't you like to? Wouldn't you wonder what, what, the, what the Christ child was like as a, as, a, as a toddler? There were no terrible twos or any, anything like that. So but, but just humanize it with me for a minute, right? Where sometimes we forget that there's a, a very human element to the story. That there's Mary and Joseph establishing their lives. You know, this is where Joseph's ancestors are from in Bethlehem. And Mary is, they traveled all this way. And you know what? They are going to make their life. And now the most surprising thing happens. I mean, if, if it's not surprising enough to have the Son of God born into your home in a manger... You bring him from the stable. You finally find a place to live. Then the shepherds are telling everybody. And Mary is pondering these things in her heart. You know, like, what is happening in our lives? It must have felt like exhilarating in a lot of ways, I would assume. A bit overwhelming, probably. But what happens is we're about to go from miracle to crisis mode. From miracle mode 
to crisis mode. Notice what happens. In verse number 11, we begin. And when they were come, this is the wise men, into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So if you know what had taken place, Herod the king, his wise men, his seers, his uh, um, scholars, they had looked at the evidence and they said to the wise men, well, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. The wise men are like, hey, let's head to Bethlehem. Oh, look, star appears. Now we're on our way to Bethlehem. But Herod gave them instructions. And he says, when you find the baby, when you find the child, please return and tell me, because I would like to go and worship him also. Heartwarming story from a very ruthless, ruthless king who had no desire at all to worship. He had desire to destroy, to destroy. And we're not going to, we're going to move past part that, that part of the story today, but some, some terrible events happen to show how wicked King Herod actually is. But God has a plan to thwart the plan of Herod. And what happens is this, he, he warns the wise men in a dream, do not go back to Herod. You need to go around, uh, take the back way back home, back east to your country. Now look at verse 13. Remember, I said we've gone from miracle, we've gone from miracle to crisis moment. Why? And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream. The angel appears to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to what? Destroy him. I would say that's a crisis moment for a young family, wouldn't you? I mean, he receives a message in the night from an angel that someone very powerful, someone with the means necessary, has the, and somebody with the authority wants to come and wants to destroy your child. A couple of things that I wanted to point out in this theme this morning that God leads us. First of all, if you're jotting anything down today, let's understand something about life. Our circumstances can change quickly, can they not? Circumstances in life can change very, very quickly. Now, if I were writing the story of my life, and if you were writing the story of your life, how would it go? Well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I think for me, it would go like this. And then he became successful. And then he became more successful. This was followed by a period of great success, which in turn led to tremendous happiness. Do you know, you get what I'm saying, right? Like, you're probably no different than me. You might be very spiritual, and you might be in here, and you might say, whichever the path the Lord may lead, I will follow. And I hope that is your heart. But let's be honest. 
in our human condition, if we were writing the story of our lives, we would go from mountaintop experience Now, God could have written the story of their life any way that he chose, but he allowed them to go through this moment of crisis, this moment of intense decision, and that life in the will of God, and I hope you all, if you are a Christian, I hope your desire is to live your life in the will of God. But understand, whether you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian for a long time, when you follow God, He will bring you through a combination, a series of mountaintops and valleys. You'll go through highs and you'll go through lows. You'll go through a series of celebrations followed by some defeats that you'll have to face. But all of this is the journey. And the fact is this, there is joy in the journey if we walk with the Lord if we recognize God's hand along the way. So, so first of all, circumstances can change quickly. Secondly, this morning, see, I'm moving pretty fast. Faith is greater than fear. Faith is greater than fear. Look what happens. Now, I'm going to actually read most of the rest of the story. Um, pick it up with me in verse number 14. Verse 14 says this, when he arose, so he just has the dream. Now, Joseph gets up. He takes the young child and his mother by night and departs into Egypt. Now, he stayed there, verse 15, until the death of Herod. Now, we don't know exactly how long this period of time is. He's there till the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. There's a prophecy that's fulfilled from the book of Hosea. Then Herod, and verses 16 down through verse number 18 is the great tragedy that unfolds when Herod realizes what's happened. Move down with me to verse number 19, and we'll see there's another appearance. Now, verse number 19. But Herod was dead. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose, and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. What does Joseph do every single time he's faced with a fearful situation? He obeys, right? He takes the step. He follows God. Faith is always better than fear. Were these fearful circumstances? Yeah, absolutely. I thought about the pressure that Joseph must have been under. As a father, I'm a father, and one of the things that men are called to, especially those of us who are fathers, is we are, we are given the responsibility of the well-being of our families. Like, and sometimes we just worry, uh, we worry about paying the bills. We worry about being able to afford this or that, having a home. Joseph literally is under the pressure of saving the lives of his family. 
That's a fearful situation for a person to be in. I think it's amazing. Whenever you look at the, at the accounts of the men and women of the scriptures, it's important to remember that they were people just like you and I. And we're given these scriptures, and we can identify with them, and we just assume, oh, well, Joseph, he's in the Bible. He had faith in God. He, like you and I, had to make a decision to believe God. He had to make a decision to obey God. He had to make a decision to trust God in scary circumstances. That's exactly what he does. So while circumstances can change quickly, remember, faith is greater than fear. And I want you to notice a third thing this morning. The third thing that I'd have you notice is this. God will speak when the time is right. God will speak when the time is right. Whose time? His time. Did you see what's happened so far in this account? We've already kind of read over it a couple times. There's a dream. In the dream, he says, all right, it's time. You've got to go. You've got to go. It's almost like when God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to send you somewhere. Where am I going? I'll tell you later. I'll let you know a little bit later on. Just go. God's part of, remember how we, if, if you were to write the story of your life, or if I were to write the story of my life, not only would it be very successful, but if, if there were any difficulties that just to spice up my story, I might put a couple of, you know, trials to overcome in there, but I would carefully script out exactly what I would do next. And then I would know what's going to happen after that. And then the next, the next event. But God doesn't work that way. In fact, Jesus said, don't think about when. Don't think about tomorrow, because tomorrow, so there's enough things to worry about today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Why? Because God promised to lead us step by step, day by day, choice by choice, through time in his word, through the speaking of the Holy Spirit. He, he doesn't tell Joseph until the time is right. Listen, a good lesson for all of us to remember as we walk with the Lord, since God will speak when the time is right, don't step ahead of him. Yeah. Don't step ahead of him. It's easy to say this doesn't look right. This doesn't feel right. So I think this is what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to decide A, B, C, D. I'm going to lay out my, my options. I'm going to make a rational decision that just seems to make sense. Or maybe you're not a rational person. How many of you, I, most people tend to, they, sh they lean toward the rational side or the emotional side. Who, wants, who will admit it today? We're my rational people in here. Anybody going to do it? Okay. Now, we're the impulse de deciders. Okay. Uh, all over. Now, I'm not going to say there's, I'm not going to say that either one is right or wrong. It tends to be those of us like myself who I'm kind of a rational person. I'm like, oh, I wouldn't make a impulsive decision or do that. How many, how many of you know you can think, you know, what is this saying? Six ways to whatever, or uh, you can think it, think it, think it, think it, and never do anything. And sometimes you need an impulsive person to just be like, hey, man, let's just go for this thing. Let's just do it, right? So, but my point is this, we all lean into one of those two places. 
And the most dangerous time is when you're in a crisis moment. When you're in a moment where a big decision has to be made. Joseph is in that place. It's better sometimes. I love what God said to Moses. Moses is up against the Red Sea. He's got the children of Israel right there. Pharaoh's army is breathing down. And God doesn't say, run. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. This is the life, that pattern, that pattern has played out through the witness of the scriptures over and over and over again. Don't move unless God says it's time to move. Now, you're like, okay, well, how do I know when he speaks? God really hasn't given me any dreams lately like Joseph. That would make it a little easier, wouldn't you agree, right? But listen, we do have something that Joseph didn't have. We have the complete, compiled Word of God to guide every decision we make. And if you're a Christian, you have the indwelling Spirit of God. And the way it works is you take the Word of God, you spend time in the truth of the Word of God, and you say, God, lead me in the way that's right. I want your will to be done, not my will to be done. Don't step ahead of him. God will speak when the time is right. Joseph could have made a lot of decisions. He could have gone to a lot of different places, but he doesn't. He waits for the voice of God. God leads us. So verse 21, he arose, he took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. He's back, back in Israel. But, verse 22, when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah, in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was what? Afraid to go thither. This, is, this just gets even better. He's like, okay. God says, all right, Joseph, you can go back because Herod is dead. The people that were out to kill G Jesus, they're, de they're dead. You can go back, Joseph. And Joseph and Mary, they pack up their belongings. They, they, but Jesus is probably now, he's not a baby anymore. He's probably carrying some of the load and the whole family start heading back into, into Israel. And don't you, how many of you ever traveled out of the country? Like you've spent some time out of the country and there's just something about, I'm going to sound a little like over, over the top here, but there's something about touching down in the good old U.S. of A, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you've, if you've traveled abroad and you come home, but I don't know if it's probably not just Americans that feel that way. It's probably, do Canadians feel like that? They do. Okay, just checking, just checking. So, um, really? All right, anyway. So, Mary and Joseph, those of you who don't know, my wife is Canadian as well. But she's a U.S. citizen now, so we celebrate that. Amen. All right, so anyway, the angel, the angels, what am I talking about? Joseph and Mary, they get back, and it's all, it's all, they feel safe now. It's like, okay, God said we can come back. And they start walking back into Israel, and I don't know, they, they feel that, you know, Israeli sand in their sandals or whatever, you know, they're like, we're back. We're back home finally. And they're walking and talking and they're meeting people and they're probably excited. It's not Egyptian that they're hearing anymore. It's Hebrew and, and they're just excited. Like, oh, what's going on? Have you heard the news? Whatever. And they're, and they're catching up, catching up. And somebody's like, yeah, Herod's dead, but uh, his son is in charge now. Joseph takes a big gulp at that moment. Because now 
he's what? He's afraid again. He's afraid again. What happens in life sometimes is sometimes, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to follow God now. I'm going to take a big step. And then you get going, you get going, and then some other obstacle puts itself in your way. And in that moment, it's like, oh, I don't know now. Now what do I do? Now what happens? It's almost like this great progress. You feel it's just like, the wind is knocked out of your sails, as they say. That's a moment here for Joseph, but what happens? Just in time, just when he needs it, just when he's at a weak point, he's fearful, he doesn't seek the Lord, he's afraid, but at just the right time, God speaks. And he says, and notwithstanding, so he's afraid to go thither, but notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream. This is the fourth dream that Joseph, that's recorded that Joseph had. Being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called what? Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. The last thing, so we've seen this this morning, circumstances can change quickly. Faith is greater than fear. God will speak when the time is right. But finally, as you've already seen, his plan, God's plan unfolds along the way. Along the way. You see, it wasn't until they got to Nazareth that you could look back and say, oh, wow. As God led me, look at what God has done. There's scripture prophesied that Jesus would be born, or I'm sorry, not born, but that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. But there was other scripture that talked about Jesus coming from Egypt. And of course, there was another scripture where Jesus was supposed to be born where? In Bethlehem. From Bethlehem to Egypt, back up into Israel, over to Nazareth. See, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God is working and accomplishing his purpose and his plan in the lives of his children. You see, this is the great message of the gospel for, for today. I mean, there's so many great messages of the gospel. There's an eternal hope. There's, there's the forgiveness of sin. But the blessing of the here and now of the gospel is that God has my final destination all set and he's accomplishing some things in my life along the way. I just need to be yielded to him. I just need to be obedient and say whether it feels right or that all adds up on paper, is irrelevant. What step does God want me to take? That's the journey of knowing Christ. Otherwise, friends, think of this. Without Jesus, our lives, what, what, what is the prevailing message of the secular world around us today? 
On the one hand, they say that we should look for meaning in our lives. On the other hand, they say there is no definite destination. Conflicting, and I don't have time to unpack all of that, but just meditate on that a little bit. Conflicting messages. Without the providence and leading of God, our lives can be reduced to a collection of circumstance and happenstance. That seems like it works out for some and really doesn't work out well for others. But for those who know God, in fact, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So to the believer out there this morning, I say this, embrace the journey that God has put you on. I don't know what if you're in a mountaintop or a valley right now, if you're in a miracle or a crisis moment. But learn to embrace, not the circumstance, but the journey. And I'm speaking to myself too. It's amazing how if you look around in a room like this on Christmas Day, a lot of people, it's like, oh, everything must be going well in this person's life or that person's life. But sometimes you know, all of us, we put on a face. And we, want, we, we don't want to discourage anybody else by being like, oh, I'm, it's not like we're, we're hypocrites, but, 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 you know, let's face it. Some of us like, well, who wants to be around a downer? You know, like, oh, things are going bad for me. But let's be honest, sometimes it feels like that. There might be a smile on the outside, but there's a feeling that I'm in a valley on the inside. Right? But in those moments, we've got to say, God, this is your journey. And I might not be able to, you know, whistle a tune lightheartedly, but I can have a deep abiding trust and joy that you are with me. You were with the saints of old, like Joseph, and you'll walk with me. And if you're not walking with Jesus, maybe you're a believer in Christ, but you're not walking with him. Get back on the journey. Get back on the walk. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. Whether you're a young person or old, whether you're in this room or you're watching this live stream today, if you've ever made the decision to give your life to Christ, it's, it's very simple. It's about saying, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner, I can't live my life on my own, never mind get to heaven on my own. And it's about believing on Christ, saying, Jesus I believe that you died for me, and I put my faith in you. You rose again. I trust you to save me. If you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to pray to the Lord right now. Tell him your heart. Tell him, admit your sin. Believe on Christ. Ask him to save you. Would you do that right now? Let's all bow our heads as we go to prayer this morning. We get ready to conclude the service. If you've never received Christ, would you do that right now? If you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus, you can pray something like this. You can, you can say, Dear Lord, I do know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm lost without you, and, but I ask you to save me. I believe you died, rose again, and I ask you to save me from my sins. I put my full faith and trust in you. Would you do that right now? Trust Christ as your Savior. And for those of us believers, you say, yes, Ethan, I have trusted Christ. Maybe there is a valley you're going through right now. On this Christmas morning, spend a minute. It won't be long, but we'll just take 
really less than a minute for us to quiet our hearts as music plays and for us to speak to God and say, God, I trust you. I trust your plan. I trust your way. And I will follow you. Spend a few minutes, spend a few moments with the Lord. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.